We are with the one and only Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. Dr. Gorfinkel, let's go back. I think you touched on it. Let's go back and sit there for a bit. Vaccines in children. Again, we were told that this has been one of the, the dilemmas back and forth and to and fro, in that masking children and vaccines in children. Children are not at risk from COVID, and now we're seeing more get hospitalized. It's true. We've seen it um, become reality that they're not affected in the same way. I guess they don't get the severities, the, the word I'm searching for there. But as we're in the sixth wave, what are you, what are you crying out to yourself as you're going for a walk about this topic? Because if you're like me, some of this stuff can make you uh, downright angry. It does make you angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, why did we have to let go of mask mandates just yeah. as we're getting back from March break? Really? You know, it's still cold weather. The windows are closed. And then just a nice warning to teachers, please open the windows when the weather gets nicer and keep the doors open to keep that air flowing and keep airborne transmission to a minimum. But that said, we see numbers skyrocketing in schools now. And did that have to happen? When you see numbers skyrocketing in schools, that means kids are taking it home to vulnerable parents and grandparents whose immunity is waning. So, you know, I get that we have hospital beds, but that's not just about hospital beds. According to a recent MedArchive study, kids themselves are at risk of long COVID. And let's not underestimate that. So here they did a study of some 80,000, 80,000 children, (laughs) and they found that one out of four actually has symptoms of long COVID. It's way more than we think. You know, so what, are, what, what symptoms are we talking about here? Mood changes, fatigue, and yet they have trouble sleeping and headaches. So this is not something that can be underestimated. No, and again, we're dealing with what's now, and then and then we've got the future. How much is the mindset? Again, I keep going back to it, because even when I'm covering a story now, I have to say, oh, well, you know, there's so many people said, forget it, I never want to hear that word again. And then I, I remind myself, uh, we're talking about something that has a real cause and effect here on all the things that we do. So, you know, we're we're seeing a little bit of evidence of that. And in Alberta, people felt their rights were trampled on. We saw what happened with the convoy protest as well. Has the mindset switched here and changed? I don't think the mindset of the majority has. Mm-hmm. I think the majority mm-hmm. is speaking pretty clearly. We want to have safeguards in place. Ultimately, the purpose of public health is to be the voice for the voiceless, those who cannot speak. You know, it it really pains me to see what's happening with Dr. Dina Hinshaw. I don't know if you've read about this. This is in in Alberta. Here she is going to court, testifying against two churches and a gym owner who say, wait a minute, you've trampled our rights. Really? So we have this hired public health officer who's both a physician and has her master's in public health, trying to be just that, the voice for the voiceless, the elderly, the disabled, those who are suffering from chronic conditions, representing their interests, and instead having to go to court saying, well, look, we had to do this because we know that masking has saved lives. And yet she's in a courtroom trying to defend that. And I find that very heartbreaking. It is. And, you know, I'm just wondering your thoughts when I saw what is happening and how the world came together watching Ukraine, that word freedom and rights 
took on a different meaning? Do you think it's a little bit of a reset button to some of the things that we're looking about, like wearing a mask? Well, I believe that having a, a successful democracy, a successful mm-hmm. civilization, mm-hmm. is is based on having that voice for the voiceless. It's understanding that these people need representation by those who are able to do. Now, it's very simple for a society to say, oh, these people don't matter. And in fact, who knew about people in long-term care prior to to the number of deaths we saw? Who heard that voice? And yet now that voice has become very important. That voice is ultimately me. That voice is ultimately you. Let's not delude ourselves. It's just a matter of a few short years because before I become one of these voiceless, and that I find extremely concerning, you know, this courtroom thing. You know, please, please let us be, a, you know, embrace what society has to offer us. Embrace the beauty of a democracy. And I also appreciate that the democracy also allows people to take doctors to court who are mm-hmm. representing public mm-hmm. health interests. I just find it a bit mind-boggling. What about, let's go back to children and vaccines. We've got some new studies on risks and rewards. What do you make of them? What's the messaging now for you? The messaging is that, you know, the risk of any one child getting hospitalized, especially to Omicron, is is extremely low. But we know the children who run into the most trouble, it's really when it comes to trouble, it's not so much about hospitalization. I think the messaging has to be changed a little bit. It's very much about protecting children from long COVID. And this is directly appealing to their own health interests. Yes, it protects their loved ones. Yes, it protects their community. Yes, it reduces the number of emerging variants. But all of those benefits aside, let's talk about how it directly impacts them. When a child gets a shot, we're reducing their risk of long COVID, plain and simple. Now, are the shots optimal? There's a study, this is out of New York State. How effective is it at preventing cases in 5 to 11-year-olds? And it was unfortunately a disappointing study. As Omicron came up, it was only preventing about 10% of cases, which is, you know, the vaccine efficacy was right. 10%. Mm-hmm. It was very low. So that's, that's hugely concerning. So Pfizer's looking into a booster shot. Maybe that's what's needed. Maybe what was needed was a higher dose. The research was ongoing, but we know vaccines are an important part of our armamentarium. Look at other diseases, tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis, with five doses in the primary series. So I don't know how many COVID-19 will require, but it's an ongoing thing. And I think people are, you know, we're smart enough to understand things change. You know, we have to see what the data is showing, but we also have to embrace it when the strategy so far has not worked as well as we'd hoped, and we're hoping that a booster shot will improve that immune response in 5 to 11-year-olds. What are you making? What are you looking for? You know, summer we're outside, and the cases usually go down. We're calling this a six-wave. Could there be another one in the fall? I mean, hard to take, but lay it on us. Dr. Gorfinkel, what do you, what do you think could happen here? Well, the world is rapidly getting vaccinated, so that's exciting. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's mostly China who is vaccinating the world. So people think, oh, is it Pfizer? No, is it Moderna? Moderna is actually a very small percentage. The main ones are CoronaVac. That's by far the planet Earth's number one vaccination. 
And what are its problems? Well, its immunity wanes over time, not unlike Pfizer's or Moderna's, and the protection it gives is, is, is quite limited. So we're going to have to see what comes down that pipe over time. But, you know, hopefully now that our weather is getting a little warmer, we know that warmer weather brings both lower transmission and lower case numbers. So that's exciting. You know, but what's going to be in the fall? I, I, I have to eat the humble pie right here and now because I haven't been, <laughs> nor, and nor his other health experts no. been that particularly great at guessing what's even next month, never mind in the fall. You think masks could be back? They're already, I, I mean, they've extended PEI, and as you say, Quebec, do you think they could be back? Or, or again, we go back to everything tying together, mindset won't allow it? Well, I'm hoping what we'll see is a more proactive attitude toward masks. I think right now we're, it's far too reactive. You know, we, we're basing it on one metric. Do we have the hospital capacity and how vaccinated are we? So we've got these two things. Those are in our favor. But I think that, that the mindset has to be very proactive. You know, I'm a family doctor. I, I'm used to thinking in terms of how do you prevent the problem? Well, you don't want to get lung cancer? You quit smoking. You don't want to get COVID? You wear a mask. It's kind of that simple to me. Now, does that mean that it has to be mandated? I think it would have been wise to keep it a mandate at least until the end of April. And I think that what Quebec is doing makes a lot of sense. They're trying to keep ahead of the curve. Instead of being reactive, they're being proactive. And we can learn from that. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Take care. Many thanks, Arlene. All the best. Okay. We're going to take a break. And then we have our second hour here. We're going to talk again. Everything mixes. Everything has a cause and effect. Budget. War. We'll find out more. For Jeff MacArthur, I'm Arlene Bynum. Don't go away. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.